But this is important to know. And when we're doing training, Mm -hmm. whatever type of training we're doing, isn't it important to pay attention to why we're training those muscles? What's their function? Mm -hmm. Don't we want to train them for their function? And we're not saying that doing these other exercise programs and doing abs aren't good, but it's, are you able to manage these increases in pressure that you're placing upon this canister? Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, where you'll learn how to get your mind right so that your body will follow. I'm Trudy Stone, certified culinary nutritionist, TV guest expert, and author. After self-hacking my mind and body to lose 30 pounds, I now help busy, overwhelmed women use stress as their superpower so that they can rise above it and become more calm, resilient, and physically fit. Each week, not only will you learn nutrition and stress management habits, you'll also learn about the power of food to enhance your mental and physical well-being and how to overcome your battles with living a healthier lifestyle. The secret to eating healthier, improving your mood, and increasing your energy are not only about what you put in your stomach, it's also about what's going on in your brain. So congratulations on showing up. I promise to support you on your health journey with every single episode. Let's begin. pee a bit when you laugh sometimes, or sometimes maybe you just barely make it to the bathroom. That could be a sign of pelvic floor dysfunction. And that trickle can become more predominant over time. Did you know that this inability to hold your pee may actually be related to your core and pelvic floor? I get it. We all want abs of steel, but it's time to start thinking about your core in a different way. In this episode, my guest Trista Zinn, the founder of Corset Fitness, talks about the importance of a core restoration program, and she will completely change the way that you look at your core. She also talks about her special technique to not only strengthening your core, but will also help you to strengthen your pelvic floor. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, Trista. How are you? I am good. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. I'm excellent. I'm so excited to have you here because I know you have lots of golden nuggets for us here today. So Trista, if someone hasn't heard about you or if this is their first introduction to you, can you just kind of give us a little bit of a background about you and what it is that you do? All right. So uh, I will let you know that I am a mother of two. I do have a 20 year old and a 15 year old. And I am in the fitness industry. I've been in the fitness industry for, I don't know, close to 25, 26 years, somewhere around there. I'm not sure on the date. Uh, So a personal trainer is my background. My area of expertise is the hypopressive technique, uh, the hypopressive method. So I don't do traditional types of training that you would expect a personal trainer to do. I sort of streamlined and now I focus primarily on this hypopressive training system. Okay. So I want to talk all about hypopressive training because I had never heard about it before until you reached out to me. And then when I looked into it, I was like, Ooh, this is interesting. People need to know about this. And you have an incredible story about how you got into hypopressive training. So can you just talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, I'll try to do the abbreviated story, the short <laughs> but uh, in, being in the fitness industry, um, I was working with pre-postnatal women, the older adults. Uh, the topic of pelvic floor or Kegels was, you know, part of my vocabulary, but by no means to what it is today. And 
Um, I was encouraged to take this pelvic Pilates course, uh, which is a pelvic floor Pilates um, course a number of years ago. So probably in about 2012, um, that course was my first eye opener to actually pelvic organ prolapse and incontinence and pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, it was after taking this course that I learned about pelvic health physiotherapists. How was it that at age 42, a mom with two and in the fitness industry, I'd never even heard of a pelvic floor physiotherapist before, let alone, I never even heard of what pelvic organ prolapse was. Um, and so I was telling everybody, and I believe myself, that I should go and see a pelvic health physiotherapist just to get assessed as to what my baseline was with regards to my pelvic health. I didn't have any signs and symptoms that I knew of at the time. And so if we're talking about pelvic floor dysfunction um, and pelvic organ prolapse, we're talking about things like incontinence. Pelvic organ prolapse, for those who aren't familiar with that term, is when your internal organs, the uterus, the bladder, the rectum, the urethra, are no longer suspended, if you will, in the position that they're supposed to be in. And they start to, because of uh, length, tension, relationships aren't quite balanced, they start to sort of descend, yeah, um, through the vaginal canal. And there are varying stages of pelvic organ prolapse. I think this is an important piece as I continue my story. So you can wrap your head around what I'm talking about. Um, so like I mentioned, the organs can start to descend. They're no longer supported. And at the public health physio appointment that I went to for myself personally, I found out I actually had stage two of the bladder, cystocele. So my bladder was slowly starting to uh, not be in optimal alignment and was starting to descend through the vaginal canal. Yeah. You start off at zero and then maybe your stage one, it becomes a little lower. Stage two, it's a little lower. Stage three, it's at the vaginal opening and stage four, it can be external. Yeah. Mm. So when you find out this piece of information, I am telling you, it's a devastating, well, it is for many women, um, a devastating piece of information. It's an injury or a symptom of an injury that's not so easily discussed with your peers, maybe your husband. It's a very intimate part of your body and you're finding out that there's a dysfunction there and the organs are starting to descend. So I left in this emotional whirlwind of, uh, depression, I guess, anger, frustration. Um, how was it that I'd never even known about this? No one ever told me about it. How was it that I was a mother of two and no one ever even hinted at the word prolapse? Mm. Um, so there's a, there's a lot to wrap your head around. And um, back then, more so than now, the, you're kind of looking towards surgery in your future, you know, and oftentimes women are told now that there's not a lot you can do to restore this, that surgery is definitely in your future, but that's not always accurate. Um, and there are many programs out there that are proving successful to women that they don't have to have surgery. Um, I myself was not, surgery was not going to be an option for me. I did not want to have surgery, although that was what I was told was going to be in my future. Mm -hmm. um, so I heard about this hypopressive technique. I sought out Kaiza, who was the only English speaking instructor at the time. 
in Banyole, Spain, and she taught me privately the level one. And then I learned how to really do it and follow the postures and the poses, etc. And I came back and after practicing it again for a couple of weeks, um, my then stage one had resolved and I no longer had this pelvic organ prolapse, this cystocele anymore. And that's kind of the reaction with the public floor physio was like, oh my God, I see nothing. Like I do not see it there. My My public floor function was starting to normalize. And really uh, it sort of sent me through a whirlwind of travel back and forth to Spain, because how am I going to help as many people as I can? I need to train the professionals and uh, offer them this tool that they can then use with their clients and their patients. So um after numerous trips, I was able to obtain master level status and become a qualified course instructor. And so I teach the courses now to the professionals, as well as seeing clients on a one-to-one. Tired of eating the same thing? Do you hate meal planning? Do you wish you could plan healthy meals faster and less time? Get instant access to my ultimate meal planning toolkit for healthy eating success. In the free toolkit, you'll receive meal planning best practices and hacks so that you can stop feeling stuck, a meal planning template to keep you organized, a list of the healthiest foods to help you meet your health goals, and healthy recipes so that you can take back control of your health and get into the habit of planning meals more consistently. You can grab the free guide by clicking on the link in the show notes or by heading to trudyestone.com forward slash meal prep. The one question that I have is like, how did you even know to go to the doctor? Like what, if you're comfortable with sharing it, like what type of symptoms were you experiencing? Because someone that might be listening to this and they might also, you know, have that same issue potentially. So I just want to know, like, what are some, some of the symptoms that you had or some of the symptoms that, you know, we can look out for. Okay. So with myself, and this is the crazy thing with this is it varies so much from one person to the next where one person can have a stage two, not know they have it. Someone else could have a stage one or a stage two and be very symptomatic. So I myself personally, before I went to the pelvic health physio, didn't really have any glaring signs of dysfunction that I knew of, or I attributed to pelvic organ prolapse. I had a little bit of tucking, tugging sort of high up in the pelvic area, uh, where I thought, well, maybe I'd overdone inner thigh workout, or maybe Mm. it was due to running. It would happen every so often. Um, but not regularly. And I found out that that could have been one of the symptoms of, this prolapse, other women uh, talk about signs of there's pressure, pressure in the pelvic floor. Uh, There can be pain, a tugging kind of a sensation. There can be a sensation almost like they have a tampon there, Mm. but there's not a tampon, like are the tampons starting to fall out, Um, but there's no tampon. Or they might notice that they can't wear tampons anymore. Mm. And they just thought, oh, I guess this is the new me. This is maybe being a mom, I can't wear tampons anymore. And it's because uh, they're no longer able to support or there perhaps is an organ that's pushing down on this tampon. So there can be pressure, pain, a tugging, a tampon feeling. Um, Those are the more common symptoms with regards to pelvic organ prolapse. Now incontinence is, you can have fecal incontinence or urinary incontinence. So incontinence is any involuntary loss of urine in any amount. Okay. Okay. 
that's maybe the wording I was going for. Okay, so okay. that makes some sense. people might think, oh yeah, but it's just a little bit. It's just a drop when I laugh or it's only like a trickle if I go for a run, but it's not really incontinence, but it is because mm. that's an involuntary loss of urine. You're no longer able to manage the pressure um, on the bladder, if, depending on what kind of uh, incontinence you have. So you end up leaking. It typically doesn't get better if you don't do anything about it. So it starts off as a bit of a trickle down the road can become a bit more uh, predominant where you're getting more leaking or in different scenarios. Now it's no longer just when you're running or doing your strength training. Now it's happening when you're laughing. Mm. Now it's happening when you're picking something up or you can't get to the bathroom in time. So mm. there's varying stages of incontinence as there are various stages of pelvic organ prolapse, but those are some of the signs and symptoms of pelvic floor dysfunction. Okay. And so with hyperoppressive training, let's talk a little bit more about that and how it relates to core dysfunction. Yeah. So I think what's really important before we dive into this piece, if it's okay. Yes. No, guide me, Trista. <laughs> you have to kind of kind of pay attention to what the core really is. Yes. Right? And yes. So I think we need to address what the term core refers to. And the term core refers to the deepest part of something. Mm -hmm. And I think in the fitness industry or a lot of times, if you ask someone, if you're like, oh, I'm going to go to a core class, do you want to come with me? Oh, the images that are conjured up in their mind about what that class is going to involve are typically wrapped around traditional abdominal centric exercises. The majority of people think this in my experience. Um, so they think it's going to be an ab workout. Oh, it's going to be an awesome ab workout. Maybe they'll do some stuff for the back, but that's the bulk of that class is going to be around abdominals. Um, but if you think about it, that's not really the core. If the core refers to the deepest part of something. That's more the superficial mm. abdominal wall, right? That they're working the rectus abdominals, the obliques. Um, when we're talking about the core, we're referring to the deepest part of the body. So then we need to take a look at this respiratory diaphragm. Yeah, this dome shape, respiratory diaphragm, right. this pelvic diaphragm. Yeah, the transverse abdominals, so the deepest abdominal muscles and the multifidus in the back. So this canister, if you will. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so if we're looking at this canister and we're looking at what the job is of these muscles, yeah, all those muscles need to work together as a unit in an automatic anticipatory way. Okay. Their job is uh, they're responsible for circulation, for digestion, for speech, mm. for support, whether it's the abdominal support or supporting our internal organs, yeah, and the pelvic floor uh, to offer us a support system there. Um, they help to manage, to balance and counterbalance the pressures that are created within this canister. Mm -hmm. So, you're kind of like, hmm, okay, wait a minute. You got a group of muscles that's supposed to work in an automatic anticipatory way as a unit together, right? How do you train that? How do you train a group of muscles in an automatic way without mm -hmm. voluntarily thinking, oh, contract, right? right contract right. or relax or voluntarily do these movements. So this exercise technique, this hypopressives, is a full body approach to core and pelvic health. So again, we can't just train one muscle at a time. 
nor can we just train this canister, right? Because Mm -hmm. everything from head to toe affects its ability to function. Right. So we, the hypopressives creates this automatic reaction within this canister and it uses a series of postures and poses to also create a reaction, but a unique breathing technique. Okay. So if I was going to give an example, or if those who are watching wanted to get a sense of what I mean by everything from head to toe affects this canister's ability to function, if you allow me, we could do something or if they wanted to go to standing. So even if you came to standing... And if for those of you who are listening to this and who aren't actually watching this video, Trista has some amazing, amazing content on her YouTube channel. So I will, sorry, not her YouTube channel, her Instagram channel. So I'll definitely make sure to put a link in the show notes to her Instagram so you guys can check that out. She's got a lot of really great IGTV videos. So for those of you who can't see what she's doing right now, just listen to it and just kind of like visualize yourself doing it. And then make sure you head over to Trista's Instagram to actually watch the visuals for it. Yeah. And I'll keep it in mind that some of you can't see me. Okay. So don't worry. I'll cue it this way too. But if you were to come to standing, so whether you're viewing or you're just watching, just come to standing. And can you just breathe for me? I just want you to breathe to inhale and exhale and just say like, okay, be curious, be curious about what the breath feels like. Is it more in the chest? Is it in the stomach? Do you feel the pelvic floor? Does it feel easy? Does it feel restricted? You're like, okay, it's interesting. Just getting a sense of what it feels like. And then if I was to ask you, uh, do you stand with your knees pretty straight or do you stand with them a little bit soft? Yeah. Mm. If you're someone who stands with them straight and you've gotten a sense of what your breath feels like, pretend that I'm there and I just give a little tap at the back of the knees. So I don't want the knees to become bent. Yeah. I want them just to be, instead of being tight like this, just to let the tension go. Yeah. And then if you breathe now to inhale and exhale, see if you notice a difference. Okay. If you're not sure if you notice a difference, then go back to standing with them straight. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, okay, okay. All right. No, I did feel a difference. I do feel a difference. The majority of people I see tend to actually stand with their knees pretty straight. And just by hitting them a tiny little bit soft, it can relieve tension and allow you to breathe, Hmm. right? And to breathe with ease. And we're supposed to be breathing with ease. But if we're thinking about the core, okay, and we're thinking about the respiratory diaphragm, And this respiratory diaphragm on the inhale, the rib cage should expand. This respiratory diaphragm will broaden and descend. Yeah, that's when the pelvic floor will relax. On the exhale, the ribs should glide back in towards the midline. This respiratory diaphragm will rise. And that's when the pelvic floor contracts, just through the ebb and flow of breathing. Mm -hmm. The transverse abdominals on the exhale will also draw in slightly. Uh, to offer you a little bit of support or a hug, if you will. Yep. And it just slides and glides with the pelvic floor. But if something like the knees being a hit too tight or posture is playing a role Mm -hmm. and you're slumped or you're a butt tucker or, you know, sticking the chest out too much is not allowing you for the freedom of the to breathe. Oh, wait a minute. How is it going to play with this whole system? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. How's it going to react to this canister? Because maybe now these domes aren't so optimally aligned. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. So, yeah. Oftentimes I use this as an example with my clients at the beginning on how everything within the body creates a reaction somewhere right. else. Yeah. And so right. every little piece, when we're looking at the postures and the poses with this exercise technique, there are specific details that are very important with regards to the poses because they will have an effect on what's happening within that core canister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we um, layer that the postures and the poses with a unique breathing technique, right? Right, where we get a vacuum effect. Yes, right. and there's a cool video that you have about that one. Yes, on Instagram. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we get this vacuum effect where everything gets drawn inwards and upwards. Yeah, mm-hmm. we decongest the pelvic cavity. So then, what happens is those organs that were starting to descend or with gravity and our exercises or coughing tend to get more pushed down and out, we decrease pressure and we draw, everything gets drawn inwards and upwards. Mm, Yeah. And we decongest. So there's so much that's wrapped around this, but that's very unique. And it's very unique to traditional forms of training and abdominal training, because when we're doing this breath work and we're doing these postures and poses and I don't know how much detail you want me to get into this but we're doing these postures and poses and we're using this automatic reaction we're we're training the deepest part of the core mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. we're focusing more on the muscle fibers the type 1 they're called mm-hmm. muscle fiber types okay. that are responsible for posture yeah, managing the pressure, support, etc. Like I mentioned before, that's within the core. But this is important to know. And when we're doing training, mm-hmm. whatever type of training we're doing, isn't it important to pay attention to why we're training those muscles? What's their function? Mm-hmm. Don't we want to train them for their function? And we're not saying that doing these other exercise programs and doing abs aren't good. But it's are you able to manage these increases in pressure that you're placing upon this canister? So all the ab workout that you do, the training, the running, the cycling, the soccer, all of these things are awesome exercise programs or workouts or sports. But if we're not respecting that deep system and we're creating an imbalance, Mm -hmm. then we're going to start to show signs and symptoms of an imbalance. And you can almost picture it like a tube of toothpaste. Right. If this canister is supposed to manage pressures, increases in pressure, but we keep tightening and tightening and using these phasic type two muscle fibers to do a job that they're not meant to do, right? Right. Like a deeper system, it's going to overpower. The pressure is going to go somewhere. Exactly. And if your weak link is the abdominal wall, well, you can have abdominal hernias. Right. And we need to really pay attention to this deeper system and what its job is in the body. Yeah. And that's, it's so, yeah, I was going to say, Trisha, that's so true because, and I think I shared this with you before when we were chatting, uh, I had some issues, uh, I would say maybe a few months into the pandemic, I guess I was just sitting a lot more, you know, than, and then I was used to because pre pandemic, I was all over the place. I was going to meetings, going here and there. Um, yeah. But when the pandemic had, I was just sitting at my desk like all day, every day. So I started to develop some problems like in my hip and in my back. And I was like, what is going on here? Like what's happening? I'm not exercising. I'm, I don't know what's, you know, why it's happening. It's not right, like right, it's right. an injury. 
And then someone had told me, okay, I think you need to start working on your core a little bit more. And I'm like, core, I'm not trying to get abs. Like I just want my back to stop hurting. I want my hip to stop hurting. But when I started doing like core training and not just abs, but just like more core training, Mm -hmm. I would say like maybe within like, I would say maybe five weeks, like the pain just went away. And even to this day, like it hasn't returned. And it's been, I would say like almost a year now, I guess maybe six months. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the pain hasn't returned. So all that to say, like a lot of times we think core and we think abs, we think the six pack, the abs of steel, when really, you know, our core is responsible for so much more and so many more things in our bodies. So I think that's really start, you know, it's time for us to start thinking about our core in a different way. And I think a lot of that has to do with a lot of the different marketing messages that are out there with all of the abs, this and abs, that yeah. right, like abs yeah. of steel or whatever, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say like that, you know, I really want to encourage people to listen to what Trista saying and just think about, you know, your core in a, in a much different way and, you know, trying to do different exercises like what Trista has mentioned and what she teaches her clients to do, you know, to help to really strengthen that core, which, you know, will help to strengthen your pelvic floor as well. And I can only imagine, Trista, I was going to ask you, like, who can benefit most from hypo-oppressive training? Like, I would think maybe even like new moms or, you know, things like that who have, you know, maybe like bladder issues and, and that sort of thing, right? For sure. So there is a a large percentage of my clientele are moms who are seeking me out specifically for hypopressive training to help restore and reprogram their core. Yeah, because yeah, they just had a baby, their respiratory function isn't as optimal as it was, maybe their rib cage is more stuck in inhalation or open because the baby was there. They need to learn how to exhale and get these pieces functioning more optimally together. Mm. The respiratory diaphragm, the pelvic diaphragm, we need to look at alignment. A lot of times their alignment becomes skewed Mm. because again, posture, having the baby inside and then carrying a baby afterwards. Um, Yeah, 100%. And really anyone can benefit from it. It could be men, it can be women, it could be all ages. You can use it not only for restoration, but we use it for prevention. Yeah. And it's, Mm. it is a core restoration maintenance program very much so. And so we have also men and women seeking us out who actually want to train the true function of their core and they want to reap the rewards of improved respiration, improved circulation, improved digestion. And a lot of times they come to you with one goal in mind and they're like, wait a minute, is it possible that I'm like standing taller? I feel Mm -hmm. lighter. Uh, Maybe they're having better orgasms, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's also sexual function too. Love that. We're here for that. (laughs) so really you got to take all of these things into consideration and i think it's really important for people to understand that those symptoms that they're feeling or they might be having don't ignore them tired of eating the same thing do you hate meal planning do you wish you could plan healthy meals faster and less time get instant access to my ultimate meal planning toolkit for healthy eating success In the free toolkit, you'll receive meal planning best practices and hacks so that you can stop feeling stuck, a meal planning template to keep you organized, a list of the healthiest foods to help you meet your health goals, and healthy recipes so that you can take back control of your health and get into the habit of planning meals more consistently. You can grab the free guide by clicking on the link in the show notes or by heading to trudyestone.com forward slash meal prep.
Awesome. So Trista, I know that you said a lot when it came to like hyper-oppressive training, but if you had to explain it in like one sentence, and you might've already answered this already, because you talked about core restoration. I think that's essentially what it is. But if you had to explain hyper-oppressive training in like, you know, like one sentence, how would you describe it? I would say it's a core restoration and maintenance program that takes a full body approach to core and pelvic health. Mm. I love that. (laughs) That is perfect. That is perfect. No, I love that. So how would somebody start to incorporate this into their life? So it's ideal. And I emphasis the idea that it's important to see someone who's qualified, who can teach you and watch and see what you're doing. Um, so find a qualified instructor, uh, Hypopresses Canada has a list of some of the instructors that I've trained, not all of them, but some of them are there. Um, or you can reach out to me, but how it works is the first session would be an hour long. Yeah. Where there's a bit of an assessment piece and I would help you with your respiratory function. I start you with the alignment piece, um, the breathing technique. And then from there, we build on it. So the sessions after that are half hour. What I'm trying to do, or the goal would be, if possible, is to have you feel confident working through a seamless series of poses from one posture and pose to the next. And the program's like, no, 15 to 20 minutes long at the most. All you need is the floor. Uh, You don't need any other equipment. You can do it anywhere you want to, basically. So it's easy to to do. Um, But that's, that's the beginner section or the beginner program. And the beginner program is based on these static postures and poses where we're working very symmetrically. As you progress, if you decide you want to progress from there. So some people get results with level one and they're like, oh, that's so awesome. It's really good. I have this little program. They've got the results and they're good with that. Mm -hmm. Others are like, okay, show me more. I want more. I want to make this a little more intense. And so then what we do is we can start adding asymmetry to it because we can't just work the body in horizontal and vertical lines. We're taking a look at the whole system. So then we start to work uh, asymmetrically. Yeah. We start to add rotation to the movements and add more, uh, intense postures and poses, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so again, the program is always typically 15 to 20 minutes long, even as you get more advanced. Um, is that what you mean? Like how, how does one, that's what it looks like. And then how maintenance program be, well, the maintenance program varies with everyone, but really let's, talk about the maintenance part because everything on this planet needs to be maintained right it's not a you are healed kind of scenario nothing really is because right. you go to the gym for 12 weeks strengthen biceps and expect oh yeah i'm going to be strong for the rest of my life you have to maintain it right your, your teeth everything mm-hmm. so there is a maintenance uh maintenance involved for sure and that can vary from one person to the next so i might have one person who's like oh yeah not two or three times a week. Those are my hypopressive days. That's when I do the full program, the 15 to 20 minutes. And that's all they need. I might have someone else who's like, oh yeah, I just wake up in the morning. I do a couple of poses. That's good for me. That's what helps to maintain the results that they were able to achieve. They're good with that. I have one fella who works downtown uh, and he closes his office door every day around four takes off his shoes. He does his hypopressives. He's like, okay, now I'm like oxygenated and I am ready to Mm. be focused 
on the rest of the day ahead, whatever else he has to do. So it can vary from one person to the next. I might have a new mom who's like, oh, it's the afternoon. I put the kids down. That's when I kind of get a chance to sneak in the hypopressives. Uh, so it can vary. Okay. And then what makes hypopressive different from like, you know, traditional core and pelvic exercises? So those traditional core and pelvic exercises typically are working those type two muscle fibers. That okay. I the ones we talked about earlier. Okay. Yeah. The ones that are more phasic and you're consciously thinking about them. Right. Yeah. Whereas this is causing an automatic reaction, mm-hmm. uh, within the core. So all of this training of this external piece isn't going to give you that internal support that you need. Right. That's not their job. Right. And so again, those muscles are important. It's important Mm -hmm. to do that type of workout, but Mm. are you able to manage those increases in pressure? Are Mm. you counterbalancing it with an exercise program that can decrease pressure and draw everything inwards and upwards and target that deep support system? Right. And we get, so the other thing that happens with that too, if you can imagine with digestion, you get nice massage, internal massage. If you're um, regaining respiratory function, that's circulation, right? Also, which helps recover for organs, muscles, training, et cetera. Like the respiration is responsible for so much, even the emotional piece. You change someone's breathing pattern and they become a whole new person almost because everything else starts to snowball back and like into a positive, right? We, we optimize the breathing, which helps with the whole piece, the core, uh, nervous system, all those uh, systems as well. We de- decongest the pelvic cavity. When you're getting this and you see this movement that's happening, if you can envision someone who's trying to give you a massage mm-hmm. on the outside, they can only get so deep externally, even if it's a pelvic health physio who's internal, but it's still really external. But when you're doing this abdominal vacuum maneuver, you're getting this nice myofascial release that's happening. So even it's mm-hmm. great for scar tissue, scar tissue that's been mobilized before, but they couldn't really kind of get the release they're looking for. So it's a great complement for uh, the osteopaths, the massage therapists, the physiotherapists. Um, they're using it as a tool to help also maintain the results that they're able to reche- achieve in the clinic, but also um, have the client gain a little bit more from that, right? Because now they're, they're able to get a deeper release opposite to other forms of training to go back to your question on how does this differ from traditional? If I digress back, um, (laughs) it's a lot of other forms of training are more concentric contractions, right? And we're compressing joints with hypopressives, we're eccentrically lengthening and we're creating space and improving circulation. So it offers a gain, a nice full body balance to those other types of training. Because if you think about it, if you're going to be able to contract optimally, you have to be able to relax, right? Or lengthen the muscle in order to get a full contraction. If you're working at this range, it's not going to be so optimal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? All the it time, does. You yeah. need to have the ability to move with fluidity. Uh, and mobility for our sports, for our activity, for everything that we do. So again, if we keep tightening, constricting uh, joints, et cetera, then we can start to show an imbalance. 
Awesome. So Trista, I want to switch gears just a little bit and I want to talk about nutrition and you know, I have to go here. Yes, yes, yes. That's how I reached out for you in the first place. Right, right. right. Because you wanted to talk to me a little bit about nutrition, maybe some inflammation and that sort of thing. But, you know, in your, I know you're not a nutritionist and I know you're, you know, you're more of a fitness expert, but, you know, in your opinion, how do you think nutrition can play an important role in managing pelvic organ prolapse? Okay, a couple of a couple of things. One is someone who's has const, uh, chronic constipation is constantly creating pressure to their pelvic floor. Mm. Yeah. So we can have someone seek out hypopresses because they it wasn't because they're a mom or because they are doing heavy training, but they've been chronically constipated ever since they were a child. So they always have this pressure. They always feel this pressure to, in order to eliminate, et cetera. And it's placing too much pressure on the pelvic floor right. that can contribute to pelvic floor dysfunction for sure. Mm. Um, if there's uh, a lot of bloating, if the foods that they're eating aren't nutritiously dense, we know nutritiously dense foods are better for muscle, for ligaments, et cetera, fascia to stay hydrated. So all of these factors play a role. One of the reasons why I reached out to you that I thought it would be awesome if we networked when I saw what you focus on, but also um, with regards to stress and emotional well-being and what are the foods that we're eating there. And a lot of the clients that I see because they're coming to see me with a dysfunction of some kind, they're stressed about it. It's emotional. They're right. And they're in this whole mindset that if they're not eating well, as you know, it can, again, it can just exasperate these feelings and emotions that are um, not able to rest as well. We know that the foods that we eat uh, can increase acidity, uh, acidic, acidic, acidity, yeah. acidity, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. acidity um, within the body, which doesn't allow us to breathe optimally if we have, mm. you know, if there's not a balance. So we have to pay attention to the foods we eat because if we're not breathing properly and that respiratory diaphragm can't function optimally with that core canister, then again, something's a little out of whack. And this orchestra, if you will, of muscles that's supposed to work together becomes out of sync. Yeah. And then they slowly start to give. So again, nutrient dense foods, uh, the acid levels within foods, tolerance, food tolerances or intolerances can affect. Um, Also, if someone is eating too much uh, citrus or tomatoes or caffeine, these kind of things can exasperate symptoms of incontinence. They might know that, not know that actually. Some may know caffeine does, but they might not have noticed that tomatoes, tomato juice can. Mm -hmm. So, oh, wait a minute. I I eat tomatoes a lot in my salad or, you know, so little things like this, we have to unlock the pieces to their puzzle and figure out, okay, wait a minute. Let's take a look at what you're eating, what your respiratory function is like, what your alignment is like what's causing these signs and symptoms. And we need to take um, a broader picture, bigger picture, instead of just going to that symptom itself and trying to uh, make a difference with that system, uh, with that symptom. Yeah. And I think it's really important when it comes to any symptom. And a lot of times if you go to a doctor or someone there, they look at the symptom 
Right. And they go to treat the symptom. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. go to a, someone, a professional with stress or anxiety, having anxiety or panic attacks. What's the first thing that that person does? Are they looking and say, wait a minute, we got to see how you're breathing. No. Oh, if we're going to look not. at how you're breathing, we need to look at look how you're standing because your standing is going to affect your breathing. Right. Oh, what are you eating? Because your eating is going to affect your breathing, which can affect your standing and your standing affect your breathing and your pulse. right? This whole big piece. And I think it's so important to network with so many professionals in this circle of health. Right. So then we can, cause I'm not a nutritionist. I'm, that's not my area of expertise. So I'm not, I would rather refer them to you where right. you can take a look from that picture. But I think we really need to take a look at a bigger picture and stop addressing the symptom, mm-hmm. but what's causing this symptom. And I think it's important. And I think it's, um, easier now for sure than it was years ago when we were little or younger and our parents, well, you kind of did what the doctor said. You go to the doctor, the doctor said, do this. That's what you did. Right. But now I think with the online communication, these open Facebook private pages where people are talking about prolapse, et cetera, or sexual dysfunction, what have you, we're able to be educated more about others who have gone through the same experience, but didn't use that same approach. They didn't right. use that medicine. They right. use a different approach, a more holistic approach or natural approach. And then that person who is um, recommended to go and get this prescription is like, wait a minute, I way rather this approach than the prescription approach that says, look out for these signs and symptoms that might also come into play with taking this. And now you've got the person taking that prescription who has all these other signs and symptoms. Now they're constipated. Now they're bloated. Now they're not sleeping well. Yeah. Oh, so why do you take Metamucil for that? Why do you do ab exercises for that? It's like, oh my God, their back doesn't need ab exercises. Their back needs respiratory training. Their right. back needs postural work. So I think really it's, it's we need to be open-minded, mm-hmm. I think. We mm-hmm. need to listen, talk to other people, really listen to our clients are, what their signs and symptoms are take a look more at the bigger picture. Um, I know myself that I'm glad that I was open to this unique technique. Like what the hell is this hypopressives? Right. Because people could say that, like, what is this? I don't know. I'm not going to do that. Right. Um, I I don't know about this, but I think we need to be open and we need to explore. um, Yeah. Some things that might seem foreign. Maybe it's that missing piece. Right. I I agree. It's a journey. I agree hundred percent, Trista. And, you know, when it comes to like stress eating and emotional eating, and I often tell my clients this and, you know, people who watch my Instagram or on, you know, TV and that sort of thing, you know, a lot of times people are eating certain foods to make themselves feel better because they might be in an emotional state or going through a challenging time for whatever reason. And I'm sure you've seen this a lot with your clients. But a lot of these times, these foods, I, I call these foods crutches, right? It's just going to take you even longer. So just think about if you sprain your ankle or you break your leg and now you're on crutches, it just takes you so much longer to do everything. And that's yeah. what it's like when we turn to these foods to manage our emotions and to manage our stress. Like it just might make you feel better in the interim. It might just kind of get you there, but it's slowing down your progress of where it is that you ultimately want to go and the yeah. goals that you ultimately have for yourself. So what I say to people is, you know, you need to make decisions based on how you want to feel, not necessarily how you feel right now, but based on how you want to feel. 
Yes. Right. And it's not saying, you know, never have the chocolate bar, never have the chips. Cause I'm, I'm never going to say to somebody never have that. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's just, I think all things can really fit, but we just have to be really careful of, you know, not finding the core of the problem and you teach people how to do that. So not finding the core of the problem. And then once you, once you find that now it's just coming up with, you know, different alternative solutions and being open to those solutions, you know, to help to heal yourself. So I'm so glad that you talked about that. And there's not a cookie cutter answer for everybody. And that's right. really important because uh, to not only go and say, oh, yes, so people are improving their public health, they're taking collagen supplements. Mm-hmm. Oh, collagen supplements. Yes, that's what I need to do. Okay, right. isn't it better to reach out to someone who can better advise you on what collagen you should be taking, what's better for you, maybe collagen isn't what you need, you need, you know, so although it's good to be open to these new ideas and new concepts and things, but I think it's important to reach out to professionals who can guide you based on you personally and your goals and not only just what you see online. Right. Yeah. But someone else is using this, right? So I'm going to use it too. Exactly. Um, Explore, seek out a qualified professional because really that's how you get the best results. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, I'm going to place Trista's information in the show notes for everybody. So make sure to check her out. Um, and Trista, I have a question for you. And this is the final question. Okay. Uh, and it's something I ask all of my guests and you're like, oh no, what is it? And I said, it's not a bad question. Yeah, yeah, I just want to know, like, what is your favorite way to take care of your mind and your body? I gotta, I gotta tell you, it's hyperpresses, you know, because can I tell you why? Can I tell you why? Yes. Yes. Because go ahead. Mind and body is because it is, there is a mindfulness component to it. There certainly and, is. Yeah. And there's an intensity to it that I really love. And so it is about the breath and it is about being in these postures and poses. And although I'm a cyclist, a runner. I do strength training. I love being outside. Outside is my thing. That was the one thing with COVID. If we had a rule where we couldn't be outside, like I couldn't go for a walk, then you would see a different person. Yeah. (laughs) So outside is for sure. Uh, Yes, the outdoors. Yeah. But um, to be able to have this tool that really that I can use. it's given me so much just from that mindfulness piece. And I was never a yoga Pilates person. I kind of thought yoga would be something I would retire doing. I always thought it would be good for me, but it was like, no, I kind of like the running, the cycling, the adrenaline, that kind of workout um, more than what I visualized yoga to be. Now yoga, there's certain intense programs in yoga for sure. So this is like the the me a long time ago. Um, But I think that the hypopressives for me was my, my thing. There is very much a mindfulness component to it. It changed my breathing with that changed so many other things. And, Mm. uh, so it it is, I can say a respiratory training if you want, or, you know, (laughs) posture work, throwing the word hypopressives there. Um, but if I, if I could end with a final word, can I? Yes, please. Yes, definitely. Okay. My final word would be that, you know, uh, it's all in the journey, right? Life is a journey. And I think, like I mentioned before, we need to be open to new ideas, new concepts, um, not to get stuck in, you know, this uh, depression or I can't help myself or whatever. But um, yeah, seek out, find out some other, if it's not hypopressives, there are other awesome 
uh, programs out there that that might be your missing link, you know? So I think to, it's all about the journey to be kind and patient to yourself during this journey, because I think we can be so impatient with ourselves. I kind of like to tell, um, or suggest to my clients that if they can give themselves the kind support and words they would use to a friend that's going through the same thing to keep positive self-talking, positive self-talking, as soon as you hear a negative, oh, spin it in. No, I got this. I got this. You can do this. You can move forward. And I think uh, you learn a lot about yourself. Um, Yeah. Throughout these journeys, like, mentally and physically that you might not have thought you were able to to move forward with but you you can you you caught this you just need to yeah be positive and enjoy the journey yes i agree we should always enjoy the journey of taking care of ourselves and taking care of our health it should never feel like a torture and you know this is you know what i try to explain to my clients and people again people who you know come in contact with me in my community like i want you to enjoy the process i want you to fall in love with the process of taking care of yourself so such wise words trista i love that it's not linear no. There's, there's ebb and flows. So just ride the waves and uh, do the best you can to, to stay focused and yeah, enjoy. Well, Trista, thank you so much for joining us on the Mind Your Body show. Again, everyone, I am going to place all of the links to where you can find Trista if you want to work with her, if you want to see her amazing videos on Instagram, maybe try a few things at home yourself. Um, Trista, I think what you do is so, so, so important. And I think, like you said, there's so many different people that can benefit from what it is that you do. So thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today and for being on the Mind Your Body show. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mind Your Body Show. I hope that you learned something new to help you transform your life and your body. For more after the show, make sure to head over to TrudyEStone.com. That's where you'll find all of the show notes. Also, make sure to head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a rating to let us know what you thought about the episode. And remember, get your mind right and your body will follow. Thanks for tuning in.